Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Merritt Moore on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Merritt. Hello. Very nice to meet you. I, I've been waiting Thank for you. this. You, you, you have an interesting, fascinating background. And when you, you know, when I started studying you online, I'm looking up the YouTube videos, I'm seeing the dancing videos, and then I see your education, and I'm like, holy shit, she's smart as hell. I don't know if I can do this interview or not. <laughs> so I, I've been waiting for it. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, where are you today? You're traveling, right? Yeah, I just landed in Mumbai this morning. You tired? You don't, yeah. you look good. You don't, you look good. You don't look like you jet lagged no, I'm at feeling all. good. I'm feeling good. I mean, flew. Yeah. It's just been crazy. Like flew from Switzerland to Dubai yesterday, flew from Dubai to Mumbai today. Just I'm on airplanes a lot, but it's good. It's good fun. How is uh, this, this week has travel gotten a little easier with COVID and stuff or, or is COVID still like a, a major part of it? Like what, what's going on in other countries and airports? I'm just curious. It definitely lots of sticks going up my nose um, and lots, <laughs> lots of, they all like to do that. So that's not gone away. But I, I do think um, like traveling back to Dubai from India will be easier. I hear like previously you needed a COVID test six hours before you got on the flight. So mm. that just makes it quite difficult. Um, whereas mm. now I think it's slightly easing up. I think, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's getting it's getting a little easier kind of we're, we're kind of yeah it's it's moving along now at a little faster pace of easing up or at least it feels like it i hope yeah um i want to know about your your background your family where you grew up mom mm -hmm. dad siblings can you give me a little history yeah certainly so i was born and raised in los angeles my dad is a entertainment lawyer um, and I think the fact that we were in the middle of Hollywood, my parents were like, we are good. They, they put me in a bubble. They're like, we don't want our daughters exposed to this. So it was like no TV in the house my whole entire life. No fashion magazines, no Barbies, no Disney movies, or very rarely. It was mostly wow. my dad like reinventing fairy tales where Prince Charming comes and Asked my sister and I, will we marry him? And he's like, he's on a golden horse or something. And then interesting how he programmed us was to be like, stand on the bed and jump up and down and go, no, you have to meet our father first. So that's like <laughs> how our fairy tales went. <laughs> um, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And she, I think she had been born. Well, I don't think she was born in Korea okay. and she got, I think, disgruntled by the whole the system in which you know it's like they're they're working and studying nonstop, right? And there's a perfection that they're, that they're striving for. 
And so for us, for my sister and I, she wanted to do the exact opposite and she mm. didn't want anything to be forced. And so what, but she just, I mean, there was total freedom, but I do now looking back, I'm like, Ooh, my mother was sneaky. Like she, <laughs> instead of forcing us to read anything, she just had like the placemats were periodic tables and up on the bathroom wall, like across from the toilet is like history of the, you know, all the Kings of England or, you know, oh, like. Wow. That's okay. <laughs> You're an important person, man. We got to get the phones ringing. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, okay. Yeah. So there was like just no TV, but there was a huge. There, we had a designated room that was just the library where we had books. And then there was the designated space where it was just like a table that had tons of papers and pens and sequins and whatever you could possibly do with books on tape that we could listen to. Mm-hmm. And so it was definitely like, it was a, such a playground. Um, and my sister and I grew up not knowing that we were deprived of TV. Like people would ask, oh, do you feel deprived? And we're like, we have no idea what, you know what that would be like so did, did you have a smart let's see smartphone flip phone what were what was back then i can't remember did you have a cell phone uh, it, man i had the like nokia brick that you could throw across the room and it's still <laughs> up until college i think smartphones and had existed but i okay didn't have one until college were you the oldest or youngest or where were I'm you the oldest you're the oldest. Okay. Yeah. All right. And how did your mom and dad meet? They met at UCLA. So I think supposedly how the story goes is it was my mom's first day of undergrad. Um, and my dad was at law school and they met. I see. Did you get to meet mm-hmm. any uh, famous actors or actresses or anything since your dad was an entertainment lawyer? Anybody super famous? Oh yeah. His clients are um, like Sophia Loren. Like I have baby photos with her and a She's cool. been around, and I think um, Morgan Friedman, and I think it was Michael Jackson, and mainly though film, he he worked on in like represented um, film distributors. I see. Okay, very good. Is he retired now? Or still working? No, he'll never retire. That's not. <laughs> okay. So when you were growing up. Were you super then straight A? Obviously, you were a straight A student. You got into Harvard. So, I mean, you know, were you, did you have any fun in high school? Did you go to any parties or were you just at the library every day? Or what kind of kid were you? I'm just curious. Um, I, well, elementary school. So right before high school, I think I was kind of lazy, actually. And then fortuitously, I was in a class, though, with, there was like six of us and they were getting A's. And I was watching them and I was like, oh, if they can do it, like, okay, then I'm going to have my game, right? Like, it was a fun, it was just really great. Like, it definitely, the environment, uh, I think, inspired me. Um, I see. And then in high school, though, that's when I started dancing. Okay. And that was, like, my passion. I, like, fell in love with dancing. Mm-hmm. And I knew that you know, the rule was like, I had to finish my homework in order to dance. Oh, I see. All right. So that's, and it just became my whole, like then dance and academics became my whole life. And so, no, you wouldn't, I don't throughout high school and throughout college. I don't, I didn't party at all. I mean, <laughs> I, when I saw your background, I thought to myself, okay, 
Harvard, Oxford dancer. Like, wow. Like, okay, she did she do any like social fun stuff? Did she? <laughs> I mean, that took a lot of work, right? I mean, uh, I mean, by the way, I was nuts. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. during college, I was definitely nuts. Like, I mean, I loved like every moment of it, but you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, I really had to absorb. I like I had, I had a planner or I had a schedule. Like, I would I'd go on a trip. Cause I would, I'd love to recap, like reassess how I'm doing at the airport. Cause it's like no man's land. I love airports. It's just free of stereotypes, free of, you just, no one knows you. It's mm-hmm. you get to kind right. of reassess and like, be like, okay, how are we going to improve going forward? Anyways, weird detail, but I then would write out like my, the dream schedule of me, the most productive version of myself starting at wake up, like alarm hits at six o'clock, take the foam molar into bed. And I'd write it out from six to 6.07. I'd be like, okay, seven minutes, roll out the right side of my quad while I'm still falling asleep. 6.07 to 6.14, roll out the left side. But I would also write like deep breathing, right? Think about the three things you're grateful for. Think about the three major projects. Like I, I had it on a piece of paper that was like written, be like, three minutes to brush my teeth. I will do relevés. I'll stretch out my shoulders. I'll like, it was the most detailed thing. And I think people, most people would be like, Oh my God, that's so stressful. But it, I, I don't think I wasn't mean to myself. If I couldn't do it, okay. I would just try. I would try to implement something. It would fail. I tried to implement it. It would fail until it became habit until it became routine. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once it becomes I don't know it's probably that atomic habits book that I read. I think that was the book. Um, okay. Okay. Where, you know, I, I read a lot of tons of self-help personal development books when I was younger, but um, I think it was like, okay, if I can make it a habit, then I don't have to think about it and it's not stressful anymore. And I can add more positive habits to my day to a point where everything's I, like the goal was kind of to make things feel as though I'm like brushing my teeth. And you're very, you're very, you're very self-driven. Your work ethic and is just extreme. Is that from your mom and dad or, or um, one versus the other? Yeah. I don't know. My dad is definitely a workaholic, like in his personality. So I, I probably got it from him, but then also I think my mother, like my sister and I had to wake up my mom to take us to school. And she'd always be like, five minutes, girls, just five. Like, why do you oh, really? need to be school on time? Yeah. We'd be like, mom, like we'd be crying. Just be like, it's her birthday. We just want to be on school on time once. <laughs> and my sister would go to every clock and change it so that we could be on school on time. Are you serious? So, okay. Oh. So I think it was a combo of probably genetically, I'm, I'm disposed to being a bit of a workaholic. Okay. And, okay. Then, and then my mother... She made us like she just wouldn't get us to school on time. So it made us want to do that. Or she'd be like, Do you really like how about a rain day? We just stay in bed and like that is interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected that. Is your sister, is she's is she an Ivy Leaguer as well, doctor? Is she Harvard too, Forbes 30 <laughs> under 30? Where yeah. Both, so is both, it, both girls went to Harvard. I mean, your parents must be extremely proud, right? I mean, wow, what a major accomplishment. Major accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, very. How? Okay, so dancing was a huge part of your life. When you Mm -hmm. were in high school, 
were you thinking I'm going to be a dancer for a living or how did, how did quantum physics uh, tie into dancing and were you going to pursue a different career? What was your plan? Okay. Good question. So I started dancing at 13, 12, 13, which is middle-aged in the dance world. And so I was told that I would never dance. I would, I couldn't make it professionally. Because you started too late. I started too late. Like I couldn't do the splits till I was 15. I was going to a very academic high school. I mean, it was just all Mm -hmm. the odds were against me ever dancing professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know. I think it's a combo of being told it's not possible, but secretly really wanting it and secretly kind of in my head being like, why not? Like, why? What if I could do it right and another book was you know where they talk about the ten thousand hours um and in my head i was like okay if i started late but can i make up those hours if i optimize my day like if i can i put in 10 hours a day even though i'm also juggling physics and then academics but like you know if i'm doing my feet exercises for the hour of that lecture that counts as an hour right like someone would be doing just that so you know like if I'm falling asleep in the foam roller that should also count as a couple hours you know like (laughs) so I was just thinking like okay how can we where can I squeeze in the hours if if hours is what's necessary to make it then the age in which I start shouldn't really matter it's the amount of hours I can squeeze in <laughs> so I'm literally like ringing ringing hours wherever I get to the last drop wow when you meet when you meet a lazy person are you are, do you just look at them like what is wrong with you like how do you react I mean you that is such the opposite of you how do you re- react to somebody like that no you know because I think also in my core I'm actually I feel like I'm quite lazy <laughs> um <laughs> I wouldn't describe yeah, I know you as lazy. You're doing, it, you're doing, you're doing, feet, you're doing feet exercises during class. I, I don't think, you know, <laughs> I don't, I think it's also a mental game with myself. So yeah, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do it. But the, mm-hmm. but the beauty of juggling two things is if you have two passions is that one of the things at the moment is harder than the other one. And so like, I'm, I think I'm a huge procrastinator. So if there's like something really hard to do a little bit, the other thing is great to do, even though, you know, so I'm putting in a lot of work into the other thing, just because the other thing is way harder. Um, so, so what was your, yeah. Were you, were you thinking I want to be a dancer? Yeah. I, I got you off track right there. Were you thinking mm-hmm. I want to be uh, an astronaut back then? And we get, I want to get into that by the way, but um, yeah. What was your, what was your plan? Like, let's call it, I don't know, first year at Harvard. Like what, what were you thinking mm-hmm. you were going to do? Yeah. Go for it. First year at Harvard, uh, no, there were a number of times before that that I quit dancing. I thought I was quitting. I had an amazing mentor, though. Um, I just found there are a couple of reasons. One is at first I found ballet very repetitive. I thought that I was like, just get a mannequin if like everyone's doing the same thing. This is boring. I was like, I just don't get it. Um, But I had this amazing, amazing teacher who had been a principal in the Romanian ballet. And she took me under her wing. Like I slept on our kitchen floor and we trained from 6 a.m. to midnight. Like I was hungry for everything. She, she was in Italy. Mm. And I just, she 
taught me everything I knew. And, um, and everything she, it was all about, she's like, no, like every movement is new. Every sensation is new. And she, it was, she took, she made dance a whole other thing. Um, she's like, every time you do a run jump, it's like your, your foot's going through the sand and you're at the beach and you're at the water and the sun's shining. Like, it was just a whole other experience than like up and down and up and down and up and down. Okay. Um, and, and she taught me, she said, you know, she's like, stop beating yourself up to be perfect. Like, okay. you know, being perfect is replaceable with another person that's perfect, but be unique, be different. Like that's mm. irreplaceable. Mm. So mm. that was, anyways, we keep getting sidetracked. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so that's yeah, okay. I'm at Harvard. I think that I'm stopping dance forever because I'm studying physics. I'm at Harvard. No one goes to college and then dances professionally. I've never, it's never been in my cards. Um, but my second year at Harvard, I realized I've been performing a lot. Harvard had a lot of performing opportunities. And I just also thought like, it's now or never. Like, okay, okay. I, I want to make this happen. So, or I just, I didn't, um, there are a couple things. One thing is there are a couple of, mothers of daughters at the ballet studios that I would hear. And they're always like, I regret having quit. I thought I was bad, but actually I was quite talented and I regret mm. quitting. Mm. And so in my head, I was like, I just don't want to feel that regret when I'm older. Like I'm mm. so sophomore year. I was just like, I'm doing it. Like I am giving it my all. And then later I can lie on the beach with the pina colada and be like, <laughs> you reached a limit. You couldn't do it. But looking back and be like, but Mary, you really tried your hardest. And so I did. I like auditioned 25 times, 25 different uh, companies that year while I'm doing thermodynamics and, and, you know, quantum mechanics and math and computer science. Um, it was, it was very, very intense. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 but then I got in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, during this time, any relationships? Like, what's your social life like? Do you, do you have boyfriends, partners, I don't know, girlfriends, whatever? I don't know. But do you have any relationships? I, I had, I'm so grateful because I'm so close, or like I'm, I'm close with the friends I had back then. Now okay. as well, okay. okay. And these are the friends they understood. I think they could just see it in my, you know, they're like this girl has a passion and she wants to do that right okay. okay and so they were so i think supportive and understanding and you know they knew that i loved being with them and loved hanging out with them when i had a free moment but <laughs> the free moments were rare rare um Super yeah rare. very rare so yeah first boyfriend was when i was like 21 um and your dates were like your date. Your dates were like fifteen minutes. You're like, listen, man, I got fifteen minutes for you. Oh, it wasn't me. No, no, they they didn't even get a, a designated date. They so many showed up in the you know there were people passing through the physics department. I mean, I think the first four, three or four boyfriends were all physicists because gotcha. <laughs> there was that was the only way they were going to find me. Like <laughs> I was I was in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> wow wow and not right now not not married no kids nothing like that not married no kids but wonderful um boyfriend and oh, okay yeah. all right is he a physicist he likes physics which is definitely how the first 
on the second date. I was like, oh, I've got a physics tutor tomorrow. Oh, do you mind if we watch a YouTube physics video? I was like, a week? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're a keeper. We are keeping you. <laughs> uh, okay. So you, you, um, did you know you were going to get your doctorate? Was that a plan after Harvard? Did you, was the whole, the whole time where you're like, I'm going to Oxford, I'm going to get my PhD. No. Was that a plan? No, the plan was, you know, everyone's like, I also heard, you know, you can't really make it in physics. Um, so the plan was just to make it through each semester. I was like, I love physics. Let's just see if I can make it one semester okay. at Harvard. That's yeah. Made it. And then I was like, can I make another semester? Mm-hmm. Made it. Um, and my thought was, look, it's, it's not going to be like, if I have to, if I can't make it in physics and I have to fall back on something else, that's, I'm not going to be screwed over. I, in my head, I didn't think so. So gotcha. I was like, if I love this, I'm just going to try to keep on going as long as I can until I really hit like, okay. If I'm like, until I get flunked, you know, they kick me out because I've been failing. I don't know. Like, I was just like, <laughs> that was my thought process. Um, I ended up doing quite well, but yeah, I, I was just like, there was no thought of Oxford or PhD because I, I just didn't know if I was going to make it through each semester because everyone when, said like, it's impossible. I see. <laughs> when you got your PhD, then what, what was your, was your plan then? I want to be a teacher. I want to teach back at Harvard. Uh, I want to, yeah, go for it. Tell me. Um, well, so I had like, I loved dance and it was quite risky for me then to do my PhD right after college. Um, I mean, I danced, two years professionally, but, you know, I chose to do my PhD in my mid twenties, which is the prime time for a dancer. Mm. Um, And I guess I addressed that dilemma by thinking like, you know, I might not be able to dance after, which is a risk um, because it's a passion of mine, but I would also rather be sleeping on a couch in the lab in my twenties in my 30s was like <laughs> my deciding factor to do my PhD first okay. um I was just like I just don't want to be in my 30s like mm-hmm. sleeping at the lab for two weeks straight um which you gotcha. know did happen um and then so right after my PhD was the question of can I dance professionally again I don't know can I jump back in um and so I um I took four months to train or I just, I was like, I'm just going to train and let's see what happens. And, and that was at a time that was quite difficult because, you know, I didn't have an income from PhD. I didn't have a uh, income at that time. And I was just like, am I willing to starve to death to see if I could make it professionally again? I was like, <laughs> okay, let's do it. Like oatmeal for two weeks and, and let's rough it out. Um, and, and magically got into Norwegian national ballet and was dancing with them. And, and is that, that's a pay, that's a, that was a paying gig. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Not, not probably like peanuts, but paid a little something. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, definitely peanuts for, for, but compared to actual peanuts, it was at least okay better than, than, gotcha. you know, the four gotcha. months where I was training and <laughs> no. was your dad, was your mom and dad, were they like, Hey, you got a PhD from. Oxford in quantum physics like you need you need to use that and not be a dancer or were they 
or yeah, were we getting any pressure from them or they were fully supportive of just the dancing? Oh, oh no, <laughs> they were. Yeah. So like every time I got into a ballet company, like for instance, I auditioned 25 times and I I'm rejected 24 of the times and my parents encouraged me to audition. Okay. They're like, because for them, they're like, she's never going to make it. It's really good for her to fail and get back up. So they were like, okay, okay. go do another audition, like <laughs> fail, get back up, get that strength. They're like, be really proud when you do that. The problem was <laughs> when I called them, my dad and was like, dad, dad, I got into Boston ballet. Like it's huge. Yeah. Just like, I know. He's like, I heard the bad news. <laughs> He's like, can I make a deposit for our river next year? Like, how do we, like, God. Yeah. Yeah, I chose the two professions. He's just like, Mary, why? You keep choosing these professions. But like, I'm not going to pay you anything. Like, why? And right now, current, current timeline, you are mm-hmm. teaching at Harvard and still dancing. Is that accurate or no? No. So I was artist in residence at Harvard Art Lab exploring um, sort of movement with robots. And that was right before the pandemic. That was January, February, right before the pandemic. Okay. And then the pandemic hit (laughs) and that blows up everything. But all my dance gigs got canceled. And I was just like, well, I can't dance with humans, but maybe I'm let's continue moving with dancing with a robot. Like, like why? Robots can't get COVID. But what, why was that even before you started doing that before COVID? Like what, what was the objective or what was the reason or how did that happen? Like, how did you, you didn't just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to dance with a robot. Like how'd that happen? <laughs> I think it was the decade of doing both dance and physics, but I kept them very separate. Okay. I cared about the excellence. I was like, I was like, if I fuse it together, I think the quality goes down, or at least that was what I was worried about. But I do think that I was always intrigued by, can technology, can science enhance human creativity? What is, what is a fusion of art and science that makes something that's even more profound mm-hmm. and excellent? Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes things get lost in translation. And so I think the caliber is sometimes... Um, you know, it has to be less in order, like there's a the crossover between science and art sometimes um, doesn't gel very well. So I'd always resisted combining the two, but I was always, I think, in curious if I could merge the two. One, because I was like, that would save me a couple hours so I could sleep more <laughs> if I could merge them. I um, see. And, but then I'd, I watched that uh, documentary AlphaGo. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's ama- it's great. Watch okay. it. Yes, okay. definitely. Okay. Um, it's about, it's a documentary about deep minds, AI machine that plays, learns how to play Go, which is an incredibly complicated game, way more complicated than chess, okay. has been played for 2,500 years. And it's, this machine plays against the top player in the world. And you, you see them play various games and the AI machine beats the human. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the remarks and the commentary that I was hearing in the documentary from people who know the game, who are experts in the game of Go was, wow, that was a creative move from the AI machine. Wow, humans have been playing this game for 2,500 years. The word, the word creative and AI usually don't go together. Right? <laughs> They're like... 
this game has been played for 2,500 years. We've never seen a human make this move. That is, wow, mm. that was great. Mm. That was incredible. Mm. Like mm. it just, and now humans are training from the AI machine and becoming even better than they were. Because I, I, I think it just sparks, it like opens up the door of what is possible. Uh, um, you know, like humans, we kind of learn from the humans before us. And so I think everything is iteratively progressing, but quite slowly, whereas the AI machine will like do something from left field and it just opens up that whole path. You're like, oh, oh, you know, you see it from upside down. Um, and in the is, same way. Is the, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Is the robot that you're dancing with creative enough or smart enough with AI technology to do a move that surprises you or it only follows you? There have been moves that have surprised me. I, there, so there are various levels, different projects I'm working on with the robot. One is exploring, you know, choreography that's created by AI that's being done by the robot. Okay. The only thing, so right, like during this time though, I've been on my own. So most of it is me filming myself with the robot. And I've done stuff that's pre-programmed just because I'm not at this stage or it, it, it would take a lot to figure out how to do it where it's safe. Like, okay. It's good to know where the robot's going to go. <laughs> metal rod, you know, like, yeah, right. it's like, you know, if it's emotions take over, like, it's like, oh, and I want to do a big swing around right at the level of your head. Good point. Who's paying? Who can I ask you this? How are you financing mm -hmm. it? Like I might, when I see it, being a business owner, you know, and, a, and so forth, when, I, when I'm watching and I'm studying, I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like, can you make money doing this? Or who is the, is Harvard funding the robot? Who's paying for the robot? Like all the money stuff. I mean, the, the art part of it is cool. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, okay, how's this working financially? You know, is that a fair question? <laughs> it is a fair question. So in the beginning, I would say I... I don't think it's the greatest strategy in the world, but I can't help it. Um, it's just my personality where I will definitely go, okay, I'm going to jump out of the plane and hopefully midway down there's a parachute. Um, so <laughs> definitely during the pandemic, it was like, I don't have a job. Robot companies lent me a robot. I'm just going to do it. And we're just, and I'm going to do it in time, like 7 a.m. to midnight. It's just me and the robot. No one's paying me. Nothing's happening. How did you talk the company into giving you the robot or letting you use the robot? Oh, I definitely, uh, I like LinkedIn every single person at the company for about a couple months. <laughs> and I somehow like finagled one phone call. And then gotcha. that person was like, no, you need to talk to that. Like Mark was like, no, you need to talk to Tom. And then Tom was like, no, you need to talk to Ryan. Yeah. And then Ryan's like, you need to talk to Mark. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but, but it started off with them just lending it for two weeks. Okay. And understandably for them, like they're like the market for human for robot dancer is zero. Like, but but in their mind, it's good marketing for the robot that they're building, right? Somehow, somehow they're thinking they get the marketing. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I think one, they probably let me have it because they're like, we just need this girl to stop LinkedIn. <laughs> 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 this company. Um, and then number two, but when I had it for the two weeks, I was making videos that were going viral. So like getting 14 million views, a million views, like wow. continually. And 
I think they realized, mm-hmm. wow, our videos of, of the robot lifting up a cup and putting it down is getting a few hundred views. Not So not only is it getting mm-hmm. massive mm-hmm. coverage, one, but then also is getting featured in Time, Financial Times, BBC mm-hmm. Click, like, mm-hmm. but also one, it's like the whole thing that robot companies are fighting is the fear of robots, right? right. And the human-machine yes. interaction. Yes. Well, you yes. have this girl dancing next to a robot. The fear factor already, it goes, like, it turns into something comical. If the robot's doing the Michael Jackson, like, hip thrust with the girl, mm-hmm. like, how scary, you know, I think people see it and be like, oh, if that girl can dance with the robot and do salsa with it, like, how freaking scary can this robot be? Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it's good so, for them. Yeah, yeah, I see. I think on that level, and then um, also, uh what's been fun is also working with like researchers and exploring being like, how can we use what I need artistically, creatively, like for instance, interacting with the, the, the question of can one improv with a robot, Mm -hmm. like that will be so fundamental later on for human machine interaction in the real Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. Right. No doubt. No doubt. You can't have everything pre-programmed. You'll need to figure out a way to make it safe, to make that available. And the extreme case is dance. So if you solve the dance scenario, you're set for everything else. I see. Yeah, very good. Um, can you make money? Are you making money doing this? Can is somebody paying you for this? So now it's been. So then the like me jumping the parachute has is there. It has okay. it has arrived. Okay, okay so, great. <laughs> yeah, and so now I have to say, like when I was just a dancer. I mean, I was having to hustle a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. And mm-hmm. now in the position that I'm in, like I have companies, I'm not hustling like at all. Sponsor like sponsors or. Yeah. I'm big, like I did something for Louis Vuitton. I'm doing a big ah, event at Cloudfest at Europark in Germany. Awesome. Um, Good for you. Possibly Good for you. Forbes. Yeah. So it, it's. That's cool. Big performances, big events, big brands, Kia car company time, like. So then, yeah, it's just, it's a long business. I just needed that jump. (laughs) Congratulations for to to get to that point. I do think you're absolutely right. The whole topic of interacting with a robot and is it safe? And what, what if it hits you in the head? What if it runs you over? What if it smashes your finger? Like all of those thoughts always go through my head when I think about AI and robots and I can see how, what you're doing would put more people at ease and also help some of the technology that they're working on. Let, let me ask you uh, this. What happens when, and this is, I don't mean to get too far fetched here, but what happens when robots and AI can make their own robots and they don't need a human to do it? What happens when robots can make robots? Do we enter a, do we enter then? Cause I've heard, I've heard, Elon Musk talk on this, right? And he's, he has said several times, Hey, if we don't, if we're not careful, this could get out of control. What are your thoughts about that? Are you worried about that someday? You're like, Oh man, that's uh, yeah, that could be tricky. Just curious. Yeah. 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 yeah, Definitely. Um, Well, I think there are two things. I think AI for sure is something of concern that we need to think about as a society and, um, be aware of because it's coming really fast mm-hmm. and 
um, yeah, I just read that the book by Eric Schmidt and Henry Kissinger and the MIT professor about age of AI. And it was interesting, like some of the problems that they posed of like, yeah, your, your kid has an AI teddy bear and it's learning with the kid and they're watching TV or something and the teddy bear is like, oh, that sucks. And then the kid's like, yeah, that sucks too. You know, like yeah. who decides what that AI teddy bear is going to decide what sucks or what isn't, you know, like that, that friend, that new friend, we don't know what that looks, you know, so there are things like that that I was like, whoa. That's, that's happening right now. That's happening right now with the information flow to your media. phone, your phone, your phone and social media is telling you what sucks. Yeah, that's, that's that is happening. Yeah. That is, yeah, and that filtering. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, but on the other side, I think that when people see the robots dancing, you know, there's the immediate fear that it'll replace humans. Right. And I definitely, maybe very far in the future, not in the immediate future though, I, I see the robot more an equivalent of when for instance, or the reaction of painters when the camera was invented. You know, painters being like, oh my God, like all our jobs are going to be out. Like no one's ever going to want a painting. There's this camera that can mm. take something instantly and show mm. you exactly what it looks like. Mm. But look, we've become decades away from, you know, long time since we've had cameras existing and everyone has a camera and we still appreciate paintings and, and paint. And like, and also what I think is, if the camera hasn't replaced a human, often it's, we always see it as, it's a tool that a human can use to, as a, to kind of express what they want to express, like to share art or, but it, it's the human, right? You never see like, oh, camera Tom, the, the camera called Tom took a photo. And then, you know, it's like, no, the photographer Tom took the photo. <laughs> um, and so in the same way, I think that with robots, it's like, it's just a tool, a means of expression to, to share okay. the human creativity. Um, you don't think, you don't, you don't think the, the Terminator, the movie Terminator is going to happen someday? <laughs> not, no, well, who knows? I mean, it's hard to predict the future, but definitely not in the near term. I think right now it's like, you'll be able to see choreography of robots. I think there are definitely going to be more choreography of robots and it, you'll know there'll be a flavor that's um, unique to the choreographer, to the human behind the choreography okay. um, or the dancer interacting with the robot. Okay. Tell me about this. Um, you you want to go in space or do you, is that still a goal, by the way, go to the moon, be an astronaut? Yeah. Is that, is that still yeah. a goal? Will you tell me um, how, why is that a goal? And then tell us real quick about your, your recent tryout, so to speak. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So, um, I was in my PhD and someone mentioned that BBC was having this application process. They're going to select 12 candidates to undergo astronaut selection process with astronaut Chris Hadfield. And I was like, hmm, whoa, I hadn't even thought like astronaut career isn't, there isn't a career stand, you know, at college being like be an astronaut. Um, but I was like, it combines my physics and the physical. Right. Aspect yes. that I love. Right. Why hadn't I thought about this sooner? So I went through that process and it was amazing. It was exhilarating. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, they had us like the first day, they were just like, here, here's a helicopter, hover it. I was like, 
like no simulator normally you, you're in a simulator for weeks and then you fly super high up they're like yeah three meters above the ground just hover it you, you mean hold on hold on you had to step inside a real helicopter yeah. and like take the control in the air yeah <laughs> with that sick like thing like helicopter is the most non-intuitive it's so i mean yeah it's hard to also when it's so close to the ground you're freaking out and there were cameras and we're all it was just I was like, oh, okay Ooh. So they did that, like then flew us to Germany to, there's a simulator that astronauts use to dock the Soyuz to the International Space Station. And we were, did that. We drove the, like, and navigated the Mars rover. It was really intense and amazing. Are there, is it like the, is it like the Navy SEALs where like people are slowly dropping out and slowly getting kicked out or they wait till the end and then tell you who made it? Okay. It's for, all right. Okay. Okay. It's TV. So, so <laughs> every, so every, every, awesome. every day you wake up, there's somebody else being, there's somebody else gone. Okay. <laughs> and you have no access to phone, computer. Yeah. It was, it was really intense. Ooh, how far did you get? Yeah. Halfway. Okay. Was it, was it super emotional when they like knocked on your, what is it? Is it just like a TV? Did they knock on your hotel room and like, Hey, pack your bags. You're out. How'd it go? They definitely did the everyone's in a circle and then they'll pick one person to go talk to astronaut Krista. And then they'll be like, so what do you, do you think she's going to get kicked off? Do you think, <laughs> do you, you know, discuss, <laughs> but we're all, you know, we're all athletic, but we're also all dorks. And so we're like, we don't want to say anything bad about the other person. Yeah. Um, right. uh, and they're trying to like, this is uh, TV. <laughs> are you going to go back? Are you going to try again? What's your plan now? So it, now it's super interesting because there's a lot of civilian possible flights. Like mm -hmm. there's the um, mm -hmm. incredible uh, uh, Yusaku Mazawa, who's in Japan, who's, I think, you know, who has paid a, a large amount in order to get the first flight around the moon. Okay. And he want, he's taking eight artists to go with him. Did you already put your name on the list? I put my name on the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so there are things like that that make it, you know, I've also applied for NASA and they oh, cool. continue all these things. So I'm kind of like um, learning my um, piloting, like getting my piloting license. And where did the space, you know, passion come from? Are you? Are you fascinated about the universe? Are you fascinated about the, the possibility of life on other planets? Are you, are, do you, are you one of those folks that wakes up every day and you're like, what is the meaning of all of this? How, <laughs> how far does that black space go? Like, does that, that stuff, you think about that stuff a lot? I definitely had that initiated as a young kid. So my dad would take my sister and I out on the balcony to stare at the stars and we'd have these constellation maps and he'd be like, you know, what's dark matter? What's dark energy? What's there one big bang? Is there life out there? Like what? Like, All so that. constantly, every time I look in the space, I'm like, what's this? What's that? Like, where's it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's definitely that component, but also I've always loved adventure. I, I mean, see. by the time like 13, I was traveling around and at 15, I, I did a school year abroad in Italy. And during that summer, I scheduled I figured out a whole trip where I did various ballet camps but like from Austria to France to Spain like everywhere um so I was just I was on the road and then yeah. to the yeah. Middle East and then 
So yeah, the adventure, love- the adventure, the adventure, the whole aspect, the whole risky kind of adventure. Love it. Thing, that that's the part that okay, okay, gotcha. All <laughs> yeah. right. You're not, sc- you're not scared. You wouldn't be. You wouldn't be scared to get on a spaceship and if they, no. if they said, hey, we're gonna we we invented a new machine to travel faster and we're gonna select twenty people to go to Mars, but you're gonna be gone for eight years. Would you sign up? Eight years is a bit long. Okay. I know that would that would because I'm I'm a di- so there's the aspect of I'm like but I also need to be able to stretch my legs mm. and I like being outside so they, they're some complex whereas a trip around you know the moon I see oh, that's that's like seven day trip that's great yeah okay. eight years it's when we go into the years component that gets <laughs> are are there is there is there life on other planets Merritt what do you think I. Man, that one's a hard one. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It seems wow. impossible that there wouldn't be, but also I'm like, I don't, I, it's, it's such a, the probability of like, it's so crazy that he even, that we exist. Like if you go back, you know, it was like the perfect, you know, earth, it's that right distance away from the sun mm-hmm. and it had the perfect, like, mm-hmm. 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 mixture of components like if it was too close it's too hot if it's too far it's too mm-hmm. cold like the atmosphere like all these things and then like it's just like wow like crazy <laughs> i don't know uh the one thing that the one thing that um i'm fascinated by is the fact that we 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 just don't know how far the the black space goes like that that part for me is very interesting like i, I how can you know, how can we all just sit here and just be like, nobody knows how far it goes. Like we have got to figure that out. Like somebody's got to figure that out. <laughs> right? It's just like, what do you, what is it? Infinity? Like what yeah, is that? Yeah. yeah what is it? I gotta know. I need, I need to know. I need to know. Um, okay. So we're wrapping up here. I want to ask you um, just a couple more questions. I know we're almost out of time. So, Going forward now for you, you, you've, mm-hmm. are you thinking that, are you going to create a company? Are you out of this? Are you going to create an agency? What are you going to do with the, you got traction now, right? You got, you got, you got people interested, you got supporters, sponsors, you 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 got some track. Like you said, you jumped out of the airplane and the parachute opened. <laughs> and now you're floating down towards the ground. And now, 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 what do you do with this? How do you, how do you uh, monetize this? Right. What, what do you, what do you think? Well, so there's the artistic side, you know, that I know that my, there's an expiration date to dancing. So I'm definitely enjoying and loving every second that I'm performing and okay. doing that. Um, because I know that, at some point it ends um so really loving that Mm -hmm. then you know there's the aspect of learning more about the robot technology becoming an expert in that um because i think it will be applicable and i think it's the future here on earth and then for me it's also i think the future in space i think robotics is a huge component that's going to be happening in space so Mm -hmm. at least i'm just building up those fundamentals um in terms of company funny you mentioned that like yeah having talks about um creating a robot company um yes and what that looks like mm-hmm. um so interesting and and 
yeah, at the moment, enjoying the creation process. I'm definitely in kind of like the artistic space, but I do believe like there's Einstein's quote, which is play is the highest form of research. So what I'm thinking is like, eh, like I'm not stressing about it. I'm like, it's play. like, I'm doing this production in March here, there in the UK, um, in May, April, possibly in the US. Like, and oh, is, I'm that learning- why, is that why you're in India? You're about to, you're about to do a, a production dance production. Not here in India, but oh. back in Dubai. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's, it's been fun. Okay. Last question. Mm-hmm. You, you are fascinating. I could talk to, I could talk to you for like another three hours. Mm-hmm. You're a fascinating individual. Your work ethic is crazy. Um, you know, people, some people listening to this episode, you know, they, they're going to be reminded that, look, it's all about the hustle. Like you have got to get up and kick ass and hustle and be super organized mm-hmm. and super dedicated. You see somebody that's got a resume like yours, education like yours, like that, that didn't just, you know, fall out of the sky. Like you got to work your ass off to get that. So congrats on everything you've done. Really Thank super you. impressive. Um, last question for you. If you could put your core purpose in life into like a sentence, what would that sound like right now? Um, so I know, I think I'm at a transition phase, definitely in my 20s. It was my mantra for myself was, I am free and I give hope. So the first part was like, I'm free of stereotypes. I'm free to be me. I'm free to fail. I'm 